Welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, a podcast shared by David Roylance. This podcast is dedicated to guiding you to completely eliminate the discontent mind and the suffering it causes by attaining enlightenment. Learn and practice the teachings of Gotama Buddha that will guide you to fully attain a peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. To support this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha or visit buddhadailywisdom.com where you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online learning resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Now, here's our teacher to share more. Sawadikap. Hello and welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha. Today we're going to be doing a live guided meditation. This is an opportunity for you and other people all around the world to come together and support each other in our meditation practice. Because while meditation and training on this path to enlightenment is an independent practice where you seek guidance from teachers, It also really helps to invigorate your practice and support and encourage your practice to be involved in a community of people that are all encouraging and supporting each other along this path. So here in our Facebook group, Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, on our YouTube channel, Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, on our podcast, Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, and here in our Zoom virtual classroom, Each Sunday, Wednesday, and Saturday, we get together online as a way to learn and practice the teachings of Gautama Buddha. On Sunday, we're learning from the book, Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Nibbana. This week, we're in chapter 16, which is titled, Craving is the Problem, What is the Solution? Where tomorrow, we're going to be moving into Dissolving the Ego. Ego serves no wholesome purpose. But on Wednesdays and Saturdays, we actually come together and do meditation. And sometimes on Wednesdays, we also teach chanting as well. Eventually, in this Saturday time slot, we're going to also be adding in the words of the Buddha, Pali Canon and English study group, where we're going to be meditating first and then moving into studying the actual words of the Buddha with these books, Buddha Wajana, which means words of the Buddha. These books are a curation of teachings from the Pali Canon where a very well-known temple here in Thailand has extracted teachings from the Pali Canon, the original source teachings of the Buddha, and put them into a collection of 13 books. So we're going to be going through those over a seven-month period where I'm going to be guiding you in learning and practicing the teachings using the actual words of the Buddha himself. So today is all about meditation. We're going to be doing breathing mindfulness meditation and loving kindness meditation. So if you're with us now or you've been with us in the past, I would like to just invite you to pull up a meditation cushion or get a nice comfortable seat in a chair or take a lying position or standing position where I can then provide you some guidance in breathing mindfulness meditation and then loving kindness meditation. And afterwards, we'll take some questions from anyone who's interested to gain more insight into their practice 
about meditation or any of the teachings of the Buddha along this path to enlightenment. So go ahead and feel free to get a nice comfortable seat either in a chair, on the floor, or go ahead and get a lying position or standing position in order for you to start to get the physical body ready for meditation. The Buddha called this setting up mindfulness in front of you where you get the lower body nice and comfortable, you get the upper body erect and engage the muscles, you're going to place your hands and arms in a comfortable position, maybe in your lap. And then just close the eyes and start breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. This first part of our meditation is going to be breathing mindfulness meditation. And then we're going to move into loving kindness. So just breathe in through the nose and out through the nose. As you're breathing in through the nose, just fixate the mind on the sound of the breath or the sensation of the air entering over the skin into the nose. The breath represents the present moment. What you're looking to do is fixate the mind on the breath, which is the present moment. Breathing in and breathing out. Breathing in and breathing out. You hang out here for a bit, just fixating the mind on the breath. I'm going to do some chanting to kind of ease us into meditation and then come back with some more guidance. And if you know these chants, you're welcome to chant along. I teach these throughout this program. So just fixate the mind on the breath. Arahang Thamasam Hotam Hakawa Hotang Hakawanang Happy Wakti Me Tamang Namasami Sopatipano Makawato Savakasanko Sanghang Namami
नपमोरसागवत हरहतो समूत नपमोरसागवत हरहतो समूत नपमोरसागवत हारहतो समूत पीसो महकवासमूत चाचरण सामुनो सखा तो कवितु अनु तेरो सा सता मानुसना तो Develop a nice, steady, consistent breath. Don't try to force it. Don't try to control it. Just a nice, steady, consistent breath in through the nose and out through the nose. Breathing in and out. Train the mind to fixate on the breath, the sound of the breath, or the sensation of the air entering into the nose. This. Is the present moment. Breathing in and out. Breathing in and out. As you train the mind to fixate on the breath, it's going to want to take you on a journey. It's going to want to go to the past or the future. The mind is untrained, therefore, it's going to have challenges 
and struggle to stay on the breath. This is normal. This is why you're training the mind so that you can get better and better control over it. So whenever the mind goes to the past or the future, just let it go, cut it off and bring the mind to the breath. Breathing in and out. Breathing in and out. The mind's going to have thoughts, ideas, perceptions that arise. As those happen, don't judge them, don't label them, don't even try to figure out where they're coming from. Just let them go. Cut them off, bringing the mind back to the breath. If you notice it after two minutes, five minutes, wherever you notice it, just immediately cut it off, let it go, and bring the mind back to the present moment, to the breath. Breathing in and out. Breathing in and out. The mind might go to physical sensations in the body. You may notice a tickle, an itch, something doesn't quite feel the same. Whenever you notice this, just cut it off, let it go. That itch is impermanent. It will arise and then it will cease to exist, just like everything else. Just focus the mind on the breath by cutting off the thoughts. Breathing in and out. Breathing in and out. As you're letting go of the past, the future, 
thoughts, ideas, perceptions, various sensations in the body. Just recognize that all of these things are impermanent. They're temporary. They arise and then they cease to exist. You're training the mind to let go. You're not training the mind to eliminate the thoughts. You're training the mind to let go of the thoughts so that you can gain control over the mind and so that the thoughts don't control you. Breathing in and out. Breathing in and out. You're working on solving the primary problem of craving, desire, attachment, where the mind wants to hold on. Therefore, I'm not even interested in you holding on to my voice. This is an independent journey one that you need to do by yourself with guidance. So now that you have the guidance to focus on the breath, not judging or labeling anything that arises, cutting it off, letting it go, focused on the present moment, the breath, I'm going to let you go. I'm just going to sit here in meditation with you and everyone else around the world. And then I'll be back with guidance on loving kindness meditation. So focus on the breath, breathing in and out. Breathing in and out.
Now we'll begin our loving-kindness meditation On the out-breath, repeat this affirmation in the mind May I be peaceful discontentedness and the suffering it causes. May we be peaceful. discontentedness and the suffering it causes. May they be safe.
may they be well. May they be free of discontentedness and the suffering it causes. May all those who are aware of the path but have not yet started, may they all be peaceful. May they be safe. May they be well. May they be free of discontentedness and the suffering it causes. May all those who are unaware of the path to enlightenment be peaceful. May they be safe.
may they be well. May they be free of discontentedness in the suffering it causes. May all beings, wherever they reside within the five realms, may they all be peaceful. be safe. be free of discontentedness in the suffering it causes. Continue to focus on the breath, breathing in and out. In and out.
You've done something really good today. You've done some meditation. This is really, really helpful for the mind. Really helpful for your life. And you've done so while being part of a community of people. Coming together, supporting, encouraging each other dedicating time and effort to your practice. This is very important. Coming together as a group, as a community, but also dedicating time to your own practice by yourself. So you can use what you just learned in your own practice to help you train the mind each day. The breathing mindfulness meditation is to eliminate craving, desire, attachment. 
This is what causes the discontent mind. And you can eliminate it by practicing breathing mindfulness meditation, generosity, and all the rest of the path, the Eightfold Path. Loving-kindness meditation is to eliminate hatred, anger, ill-will, and all the lesser versions of that. But then you've got to take that loving-kindness, that active goodwill towards all beings, and practice it in daily life, where you're polite, kind, friendly, respectful to all beings, all beings, doesn't matter if people are friendly, kind to you, or if they're hostile and angry. For your practice, you need to be polite, kind, friendly, and respectful to all beings, including animals, all the five realms. Polite, kind, friendly, and respectful. So doing these two meditations are the only two that you need on this path to enlightenment. If there's any others that you need, your teacher will help to offer those specialized meditations for you. But these are your two foundational practices. By focusing only on these two, you can learn them very deep and you can get very proficient at practicing them so that you can get lots and lots of benefit. That's the goal. So I would like to open things up to see if there's any questions on Facebook, YouTube, and our Zoom virtual classroom about meditation or anything else regarding this path to enlightenment that is shared by Gautama Buddha. Hi, David. I have a question about physical sensations. You mentioned this earlier in the meditation. So I understand that if we have an itch or something similar, it's generally best to train the mind to just be at peace with that and come back to the breath. And that over time, this seems to reduce the sensations and and the mind's tendency to be averse to these sensations. What if we're talking about the urge to swallow? That's something that at one point for me was coming up quite a lot and it came and went. But at one point, it was like really getting in the way of my meditation. So I'm just interested to know what your take is on that, as I imagine there's probably other people that might be experiencing something similar. If you have the urge, go ahead and swallow. You know, let let it go. You know, don't try to force it or control it or hold it back. You know, let it go. Go ahead and swallow. One of the things that I do, and I've done this my whole life from about the age of nine, is I keep my tongue at the roof of my mouth all the time. When I was nine years old, I took Shaolin Kung Fu, and we were taught to put our tongue at the roof of our mouth as a way to maintain the saliva in the mouth, and also so that we don't bite our tongue. So I didn't realize it until probably three years ago that influenced me, and I've been keeping my tongue at the roof of my mouth my entire life. Whenever my mouth is closed, it's always at the top of my mouth. So when I meditate, the tongue's always at the roof of the mouth. And this you may find helpful for you. If you don't, then don't do it. But for me, 
the tongue just does that naturally. It's not even something I consciously do. It just is always at the roof of my mouth. So that could help you to reduce the swallowing, or it might actually produce more swallowing if it produces more saliva. So you'll have to see how that affects you. I'm not sure because I was never taught to do that as part of meditation or as part of these teachings, but I've just noticed that I don't have the challenge with saliva or needing to swallow during meditation, and it may be because of that. So you can try that and see if that helps. But ultimately, if you feel the urge to swallow, just go ahead and do it. Got it. Thank you. Yeah, I, I imagine that's probably quite helpful, so I'll give that a try. Okay, so I have another question, actually, and you mentioned there on the call something we talk about a lot, which is um, craving, of course, as the primary problem of the mind. But uh, I was wondering if you talk a bit about how it's not the only problem. So what actually causes craving and um, how does this apply to our meditation practice? There's three poisons in the mind or three unwholesome roots or what we call three fires. They're also referred to as the defilements, the defilements of the mind. Defilement is kind of like the, the pollution of the mind or the, the problems in the mind. Craving, desire, attachment, or some people refer to it as greed, is the tendency of the mind to hold on and latch on or to look outside of itself for satisfaction and pleasure and pursue these central pleasures and these pleasant feelings. And the mind looks for these pleasant feelings and it tries to hold on to them. And then when it doesn't have those, the mind becomes discontent. That's where the sadness, anger, frustration, irritation, annoyance, guilt, shame, fear, all this discontentedness in the painful feelings comes in is because the mind wasn't able to satisfy its desire for these pleasant feelings. But even when the mind is in those pleasant feelings of happiness, excitement, elation, it's still discontent. It's just that the unenlightened mind doesn't recognize it as such. You know, we don't consider happiness, excitement, elation as a problem, but it actually is because the mind is lurching and longing for these pleasant feelings, and it's going to continue to search externally for these pleasant feelings, and it just goes from one thing to the next to the next. And then if the mind doesn't know what it wants, it's going to experience neither painful nor pleasant feelings, which are kind of like boredom or loneliness or uncomfortableness, shyness, things like this. And these three discontent feelings of painful, pleasant, neither painful nor pleasant are all caused by craving, desire, attachment, expectations, wants, longing, grasping, holding, this greed. We use all these words in the English language to refer to what Gautama Buddha was talking about. And because the mind is looking outside of itself for satisfaction and it's longing for these pleasant feelings, what you're doing in breathing mindfulness meditation is when the mind goes to the past or it goes to the future or it has these thoughts, these ideas, these perceptions, you're focusing it only on the breath. So it stays in the present moment and it's not longing for something else, that it becomes peaceful, calm, serene and content with joy just in this present moment and nothing beyond that. Because the unenlightened mind is going to want to look to the past for all these pleasant things or 
It's going to experience painful things from the past. And the mind's going to have worry and anxiety and all of these discontent feelings. Or it's going to go to the future. And it's going to long for these pleasant feelings. Or it's going to think that these painful feelings are going to continue in the future. And the mind's going to be discontent. So by bringing it in the present moment and training it to reside there and only there in meditation, then you gain more and more control over the mind so that as your thoughts are coming up in meditation, you bring it back to the breath. Your mind goes to the future in meditation. It wanders. You don't realize it for three minutes or five minutes or what have you. But where you do, you cut it off and bring it back. The mind has this new idea during meditation. You realize it two or three minutes. Boom, you cut it off and you bring it back. And you keep doing this over and over and over again. You just keep cutting it off and bringing it back. Cutting it off, bringing it back. Cutting it off, bringing it back. Cutting it off, bringing it back. And over time, the mind gradually learns to just reside on the breath and only the breath. It never wanders after that. It never goes in all these different directions. It just becomes still and peaceful in the present moment during meditation. And then outside of meditation, when you notice that the mind is longing towards something or you have some kind of discontentedness arise, whether it's painful, pleasant, neither painful nor pleasant, you cut it off. And because you've trained the mind really well in meditation over multiple weeks and months, when those feelings arise in daily life or you see this longing and strong eagerness, you're more aptly able to cut it off and bring the mind back to the breath and bring it to the present moment because you've done that so many times in meditation. The challenge becomes that people oftentimes expect quick fixes or shortcuts on this path. You know, I'm feeling sadness right now. I want to eliminate it right now. It's not possible. That's not how these teachings work because what's causing the sadness is the craving, desire, attachment. This needs to be eliminated slowly over a life practice of consistent meditation, doing breathing mindfulness meditation, gaining more and more control over the mind so that then in daily life, you have more control over the mind. And over time, by training the mind to be in the present moment during meditation in daily life, the mind will be in the present moment in daily life. And you'll be able to make decisions based on the present moment rather than worry or anxiety about the past or the future. And rather than making decisions based on this craving, this desire, this attachments, rather than allowing that to motivate your decisions, you can make decisions in the present moment that are going to be wholesome and beneficial for you and other people around you rather than making decisions on these kind of selfish cravings that crop up in the mind that the mind is largely unaware of while it's not on this path. Because it's not until you get on this path of learning and progressing on this path that you start to become aware of how this craving, desire, attachment is basically controlling you. I mean, you're going in all these different directions and trying to fulfill all these different things in your life thinking that this next new shiny object is what you need in order to fulfill this life and make this life fulfilling. But what you realize is every time you get one of those new shiny objects, 
you feel these pleasant feelings of happiness, excitement, elation for a period of time, but then it wears off because it's temporary. And now the mind's right back where it started from, looking for the next new shiny object. And it's not until you train the mind to eliminate this longing with a strong eagerness and to just be peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy in the present moment that it can then pursue goals, objectives, and interests in life, but without this unquenchable thirst of craving that drives us and drives us and drives us in the unenlightened state. So by training the mind in this way, you're essentially gaining control over the mind and you're eliminating this tendency of the unenlightened mind to just lurch and lurch and lurch, longing for this next new shiny object. And by eliminating that, now residing in the present moment, you can make good, wholesome decisions to pursue beneficial outcomes in your life without this defilement, without this poison, without this unwholesome root, without this fire of craving, desire, attachment. So is it right to say then that the mind craves because it's not seeing something? It, it's, it on some level believes, like you said there, that if only it can get this thing, then it will be content, happy, joyful, whatever it thinks. But then when it finally gets it, it, it realizes it's, it's not permanent, hopefully. That's part of our practice. So is it right to say then that on some level it's not seeing the big picture there we crave because we're not really seeing the results of what we crave and getting and pursuing what we crave right this is that third poison or that third unwholesome root or that third fire is what we call delusion ignorance or unknowing of true reality i like the unknowing of true reality the best because the mind is unknowing that this craving even exists you know, when you're not on this path and you have no idea about these teachings whatsoever, you just think life is just life. You go from sadness to anger to frustration to boredom to loneliness, happy, excited, elated. The mind just kind of does all that it does. And in between there, you get a little bit of peace here and there, but your life is just going forward. And when you become aware of these teachings and what the mind's actually doing, then you start to become aware of true reality. Because before that, you're unknowing of true reality. So the mind is unawakened, it's unenlightened, it's inhibited, it's hindered by this craving, desire, attachment, but the mind doesn't realize it in the unenlightened state when it's not on this path because it has this delusion, this ignorance, this unknowing of true reality that it doesn't even recognize what's going on in its life. And you just go around pursuing all these craving, desire, attachments. You go around being hateful, angry, ill will, hostile. Go around speaking unkind to people, impolite, disrespectful. And we think that everyone else is the problem. Everyone else is the problem. And we go around trying to fix everyone else. If we could just get this outside world, this external world doing what it is that I want, then everything will be fine. But there's no end to that. There is no success that's going to come in that because you can't train 7.5 billion people in the world to do things your way. So the mind is just unknowing. It's, it's ignorant. It's, it's not knowing that this craving even exists, let alone the problems that are coming from it. 
And because the mind has this ignorance and this unknowing, it just continues to do it. It just continues to do it over and over and over again. So it never even realizes when it's not on this path that there is this thing called craving, desire, attachment. Doesn't even know it exists. Doesn't know that it's a problem. Doesn't know all the problems that it's causing in your life. The mind is unaware of things like impermanence. So even though those happy feelings come into the mind and they're experienced, you're not really consciously aware of what's causing that happiness. On a certain level, you're lurching for those pleasant feelings. But once the pleasant feelings come in, they're just there. And then when the mind goes to sadness, anger, or boredom, or loneliness, the mind doesn't know why. It just has no clue. And what the mind will tend to do is it will blame other people. They made me angry. My mom made me angry. My boyfriend, my boss, my coworker, they made me angry. And this is the false understanding of reality. This is the misunderstanding or the unknowing of true reality. This is wrong view where the mind doesn't have the right view of what's truly going on in the mind. And because it doesn't have that true reality and it has an established right view, it's going to go around the world with wrong view and it's going to blame everyone else for all the problems. It's going to have all this discontentedness. It's going to keep lurching and trying to fulfill this unquenchable thirst. It's going to keep being angry, hostile, and aggressive. It's going to keep being impolite, rude, disrespectful. It's going to keep this ignorance or unknowing of true reality. And it's going to just struggle and struggle and struggle and have real challenges in this life. So it's the Buddhist teachings that really unlock all of this. So while we call it craving, anger, ignorance, or unknowing of true reality, or greed, hatred, delusion, these are the three poisons. It's really that third poison that's keeping the mind in the unenlightened state. Because without the Buddhist teachings, you would never even know that craving and hatred are part of the problem. So the primary problem is craving, desire, attachment. That's what's causing the discontent mind. But you can't even get to that until you understand the Buddhist teachings and gain that wisdom. So it's really this unknowing of true reality, this delusion or ignorance that's keeping the mind in that unenlightened state. And it's just so ignorant of what's going on. It just keeps in this vicious cycle, this cycle of rebirth, this cycle of craving, 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 craving. I want that. I want this. I want that. I want that. Okay, you get that. You're happy for a period of time. Now it's gone. Okay, I want this now. You get that. It's happy for a period of time. Now it's gone. Now I'm sad. I want this. I want this. I want this. So it just continues in this cycle over and over and over and over and over again. And this is the cycle of rebirth. And it's craving that is the fuel that keeps this cycle of rebirth going for you over and over and over and over and over again in this vicious cycle of discontentedness. And if you die, having not eliminated that craving, desire, attachment in the mind, then there's going to be rebirth. And most likely it's not going to be in the human realm. Therefore, you're going to be at a disadvantage because you're going to be in one of the lower realms and you're going to be in the disadvantage of being able to actually train the mind and cultivate the mind to end this cycle. 
because once you're in the lower realms, it's like a prison and it's very hard to get back to the human life. So it's only in this human life that we have the ability to truly experience the three feelings of painful, pleasant, neither painful nor pleasant, and we have the ability to cultivate our consciousness. We have a very unique situation in the human realm that we have the ability to improve this condition of the mind that we don't have these same conditions in all the other realms. So this cycle just keeps continuing because of the ignorance, because of the unknowing of true reality. It just keeps going and going and going and going. But if you progress and you see your mind becoming more and more peaceful as a result of these teachings, you know you're on the right path. That's the beauty of these teachings is it's not based on belief where you just have to believe a bunch of things and hope you figured it out by the time of death. But through you learning and practicing, you see the condition of the mind improving right now. So therefore, you know, even with as little as a couple of weeks, you can see the condition of the mind improving and you know that you're on the path and this path is improving the condition of the mind and therefore you're walking in the right direction. And the more you address these three poisons, craving, anger, ignorance, eliminate the self and dissolve the ego, the more peaceful the mind's going to become. And these are kind of generalized ways of referring to these generalized problems in the mind, but it's the 10 fetters that are the very detailed, very specific problems that the Buddha described in the mind that need to be eliminated. But those you usually get to once you've got a real good foundation of a lot of the other teachings before you start focusing on the 10 fetters. But it's these three poisons or these three unwholesome roots, three fires that we need to extinguish. We need to get rid of these defilements and in doing so by gaining more and more wisdom in these teachings, that's when you apply the training to train the mind. That's why we have these talks. That's why we have these books and videos and podcasts and these things. The more you learn these teachings and you apply them, you gain more and more wisdom, which is the antidote to this ignorance or unknowing of true reality. And by learning in these talks, by learning in the book, the podcast, the videos, the personal guidance, all these things, you see the truth for yourself and this wisdom gets directly applied to your daily life which gives you more wisdom because it's one thing for the buddha to say here's the path this is what right view is right intention right speech right action all the way through but it's a whole another thing for you to take that apply it in your life and actually see it work and when you see it work right now and it's improving the condition of the mind condition of your life then you know this is truth this is wisdom now the mind becomes unshakable and we call this the unshakable liberation of enlightenment because no one will ever convince you of anything else because you've lived with this discontent mind, this unenlightened mind for however many years. And when it progresses closer and closer to enlightenment and you see the improvement, no one's ever going to convince you to believe anything else again because you know the truth. You're not interested in belief. It's belief that actually keeps the mind in that unenlightened state because it doesn't know what's true or what's false because it just believes. Right. So it seems then like 
of course, we have these three poisons, three defilements. We talked largely there about craving and also this unknowing of true reality. And they are exclusive. But if you attain wisdom, you're going to see the harmful impacts of craving. That's going to help you eliminate craving. And likewise, if you eliminate craving, that's going to help you gain wisdom. So you talk there about how often we crave because we simply don't see true reality. We don't see the impermanence of what we crave. We don't see the unwholesome decisions we're making in pursuing those things. And, and then in not getting those things, the harm we're causing potentially to ourselves and others as well. Uh, so in meditation then, as we are cutting off thoughts, we often talk about it as training the mind, but is it also appropriate to look at it like we are coming to see that like, it's okay to let go, you know, nothing bad's gonna happen. You know, we, we are um, awakening to the true reality that if we, do, if we let those thoughts go, it's all right. Like what we have right here is okay. Is that a part of it as well, do you think? Do you, do you ever see it that way that we're coming to see things more clearly and, and sometimes then the craving just becomes a little bit less tempting? Yeah, that's training the mind, is convincing the mind that it's okay to let go because the unenlightened mind is going to want to hold on and hold on and hold on and hold on and it doesn't understand what it doesn't understand. So what you're doing is you're convincing yourself that you can control this mind. And one of the things that I share with people is even in their first meditation, if they've never meditated before, even in their first meditation, if they get just like one second of peacefulness or 10 seconds of stillness, I say, let that be the proof to you that it's possible that you can actually accomplish this peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. Even if you just experienced it for one second, that shows you that you have the ability to create that stillness in the mind. Now it's just a matter of training the mind more and more through meditation in this entire path so that you can expand that one second to 10 seconds, to 10 minutes, to an hour, to three hours, not just in meditation, but outside of meditation. See, when people learn meditation of breathing mindfulness meditation, and I teach people to cut off the thoughts or let them go, which is what the Buddha taught as well, they sometimes think that that means that they should never have thoughts outside of meditation. But they have to be able to see meditation in their daily life as two separate things. There's a lot of people that think that they can meditate 24 hours a day. It's not possible. They can practice mindfulness or awareness 24 hours a day, or at least while they're awake, not while they're sleeping. They can practice awareness of mind or mindfulness, but meditation is this dedicated, active, independent, purposeful training session to either eliminate certain qualities or cultivate certain qualities. So in that 10 minutes or in that 30 minutes or in that one hour that you're meditating, that's where you're trying to train the mind and kind of gain control over it so that the thoughts, ideas, and perceptions no longer control you, but you can control it. So in this dedicated, active, independent, purposeful training session, you're getting better and better at letting go, convincing the mind to let go, and gaining control of bringing the mind into the present moment. And the more that you do that in meditation, when you're outside meditation, you'll have more control over the mind. And you'll have thoughts, you'll have ideas, 
during daily life, your goal isn't to eliminate thoughts, right? You're, you're not going to eliminate the ideas and thoughts and things that are coming to the mind. That's wisdom. That's where the insightful wisdom comes in in your daily life because if you've developed this life practice with a really solid meditation practice where you're doing that on a daily consistent basis, you're clearing out more and more of these defilements and this pollution from the mind so that in daily life, with that pollution being put out more and more from the mind, now these wholesome thoughts, these wholesome ideas, these very beneficial thoughts are going to come to the mind because there's more space in the mind for these new things to come in. Where before the mind was so defiled, it was so polluted with the three unwholesome roots or the three fires or the three poisons or the 10 fetters. We also call these the taints, which is pollution of the mind. With all this pollution of the mind, not only are your decisions that you're making defiled or polluted with these things, but your thoughts and ideas are as well. So certain thoughts that arise in the mind, the unenlightened mind doesn't realize that it's tainted with these fetters and these poisons. Therefore, we end up making decisions based on these things. And we oftentimes get ourselves in a lot of trouble and sabotage. Even if it's, you know, an 80% good decision, we end up getting ourselves into some trouble because we didn't see the whole picture. We are still unknowing of true reality. So in meditation, you're training the mind to gain control over the mind. And then that becomes beneficial outside of meditation because now you've got this pollution that's gone from the mind and these wholesome thoughts and ideas can arise in the mind and be beneficial in your life so that now you can start applying the decisions, all different types of decisions in your life, whether it's on relationships or where you should live, what jobs you should take, what friends you should have, what you should encompass in your life, what livelihoods you should have, all the different decisions that you make on a daily basis, you can then do that through a more purified mind. That's one of the ways to talk about enlightenment or the path to enlightenment is this purification of the mind where you're eliminating these unwholesome qualities and arising wholesome qualities. Well, thank you very much, David. It appears we have no more questions. Okay. Well, I would like to thank all of you for joining to discuss the Buddhist teachings and to practice meditation. I really encourage you to do this on an ongoing basis because as we just talked, it's going to benefit the mind tremendously because everything you experience in life is all through the mind. Everything you experience is coming through the mind. So if your mind is polluted with unwholesomeness, then yeah, the world's going to seem like a very dark place. Whereas if you clear out the mind and you walk towards the light and there's more brightness in the mind, then the world's going to seem very peaceful, very calm, very serene, very content with joy. Of course, you're going to see all the discontentedness and the suffering and the problems in the world. You know, you're going to see that even more clearly the more that you walk this path, but the mind won't be affected by it and you'll be in a position to actually truly help. But in order to do that, you have to first work on your own mind. The thing that we often have as part of this unknowing of true reality is we go out and try to help everybody else first. But how could you help somebody else if you haven't helped yourself? 
It's like trying to teach someone how to drive a car when you've never driven a car. So you've got to drive the car first. You've got to drive the car and make your way to enlightenment first before you ever have the ability to help somebody else. So by you focusing on your own development, by you learning and practicing these teachings for you in your mind, you will clear out this mind, purify this mind, make it a more wholesome dwelling for the mind to reside, peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy, so the mind can then reside and dwell in this peaceful mental state of enlightenment. So I'd like to thank you all for joining. I would also like to share something with you that if you ever would like to come to class a bit early, I typically am in Zoom about 8.30 or earlier, and you're welcome to come and talk and have kind of an informal chat. You're also welcome to stick around and talk with Max or Bill or get to know each other, or even sometimes I come back into Zoom. So you're welcome to kind of come in and kind of like discuss things more informally if you like, either before class or after class. Typically, because I'm doing the live stream, I usually just say goodbye and then I turn off the live stream because I need to do that. But I would just like to let everybody know who's in Zoom as well as people who are in Facebook and YouTube. You guys are welcome to come into the classroom of Zoom and kind of have a bit more of a informal conversation, not just with me, but with Bill and Judith and other people so that you guys can get to know each other as a community. And this can be really nice to kind of hang out after class a bit and talk to each other and get to know each other. So feel free to do that. On Sunday, which is tomorrow, we're going to go into chapter 17, which is dissolving the ego. The ego serves no wholesome purpose. This is a very important chapter, as they really all are, because the ego is one of the most challenging things, I think, to understand and look at and really be honest with yourself that it's there because the ego just wants to hold on all the time and actually dissolving it or eliminating it. So we're going to talk about that. You're welcome to read the chapter or use the audiobook before or after class or both. And then next Wednesday, we're going to be doing loving kindness meditation exclusively. So we'll just do a little bit of breathing mindfulness and then a whole lot of loving kindness on Wednesday. And then, of course, on Saturday next week, we'll be doing more live guided meditation. So have a really wonderful rest of your day. Treat everybody very polite, kind, friendly, and respectful. And you'll see that the more that you do this with others without any intention of getting anything in return, but the more that you are polite, kind, friendly, and respectful to others, the more that's going to come back to you. Try it. It works. So have a very good rest of your day. Sawadikap. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To provide support for this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha. To access more teachings, visit buddhadailywisdom.com. There, you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Remember to establish a daily, consistent meditation practice, along with learning and practicing these teachings. A well-developed meditation practice is the foundation in which to train the mind to attain enlightenment.